You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's a lead play in our in our offense. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can reach us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay this evening, and we're just going to continue to break down a little bit of this game with the Chargers, talk about some news that dropped. Tim, we had a cut made. Um, got all kinds of stuff to talk about tonight, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Ready to talk ball. Always glad to be here, man. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get we'll get these uh large uh portrait pictures off the screen here. So you guys ain't got to stare deep into our soul, right? <laughs> I don't it always feels so awkward having us that that big on the screen. Um let's kind of start things off with a bang here, Tim, if you don't mind, man. Um really cool video came out on Packers.com. They also shared it on their Twitter account. You can find it on their YouTube page, all this for free. Make sure you go like it, subscribe, give them some love. You probably, if you found this stupid little show, then I guarantee you're probably already subscribed. We definitely want to just give them a shout out because this was really, really well uh, done. Obviously, it's uh, Wayne Larravee with the uh, the call, right, on the call for the touchdown pass there uh, and catch to Romeo Dobbs to basically seal, not only seal the game, but to, to give us the go-ahead lead. It ended up being the game winner. So uh, with that being said, let's see uh, – Let's let's hear this radio call and, and kind of relive it for a second. Four under three minutes to go in the game. Love goes no huddle, takes the snap. He has time. He's Off got the left him. side. Dobbs is there. Leaping grab. Touchdown. Touchdown in the left corner of the end zone. Oh, what a throw from Jordan Love to Romeo Dobbs, and they beat Michael Davis for the lead score. Romeo Dobbs with the great hands plucked it out of the cool Wisconsin air into the left corner of the end zone. Wow. It doesn't get any better than that. You said it the other night, Tim. We've got the best the best radio team on the planet, dude. Yeah, man. I best in the business, man. I just I just reposted that on uh Twitter a few minutes ago and um you know what's really telling in that clip is I just love Larry McCarron in the background cuz he can't he just can't resist. He oh, no. he really had the call first. You know, and and he's he's got him. You just hear that real quick in the background, like that that football mind seeing the game, and he like you say, Clayton, right? You see it, you got to say it, and oh, you yeah. know those two are just they're, they they must be protected at all costs. Let's just say that, man. And we Absolutely. we've got um, some absolute icons here uh, in Green Bay, and uh, we should all be real grateful because, uh, like I said, man, I I'll, I'll put them up against anyone in the game, man, for real. 
No doubt about it. And uh, my favorite Larry McCarron reaction is when he goes, yes, just in the background. <laughs> Wayne Larrabee hasn't even called the play yet. You just hear him scream, yes. <laughs> you know something's <laughs> going to happen. But I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. We got Robert Allen in here, O'Mare holding it down. Uh, let's see Zane Strong in the house. Um, got a bunch of people filing in. I, I apologize if you hear the dogs barking. They must have a rabbit cornered out here on the property. But <laughs> hey, country is cornbread out here in this uh this area, that's for sure. Um, let's see, United Bates in here. What's up, Posse? Hey, United Bates, good to see you, buddy. Uh, Mike Berry in the house, Larry in the house, Boz up in here. We got a good crew growing tonight, man. Too many to really mention. Um, let's see here. Bleed Green said no super chat option. That's strange, man. There should be. Um, you guys let me know if it's not popping up, but it should be there to the best of my knowledge. So hopefully uh, Tim's probably checking it right now, looking at him moving around over there. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, like I said, we just want to kind of hit that uh, that radio, uh, you know, call there. And um, let's do this. Let's kind of talk about some some news that dropped today. And, uh, you know, it's it's surprising, but it isn't, Tim. And we're going to rattle through this pretty quick because we want to break down a Christian Watson touchdown play here, right? You know, right here on the pod. But you know, we've seen the opening kickoff, right? They put the Packers really, really, really up against up against the gun there from the get go. I mean, of course, the officials even struggled to figure out where they needed to spot the ball, Tim. Um, you know, they started a spot on the five, then they moved it back to the seven. Didn't know what was going. Didn't know whether to crap or wind their watch, right? But basically. Dallin Levitt got two penalties on the opening kickoff, right? So that pins them back, obviously, really deep, and uh, it looks like the Packers had seen enough. So Rob Domofsky tweeted out, Packers roster moves today, signed to the roster, Patrick Taylor, released Dallin Levitt. (laughs) So signed to the practice squad, running back James Robinson, and released from the practice squad, Christian Young. They said, you know what, Dallin, we've seen enough of this. You're supposed to be a special teams ace. Right. Supposed to be a special teams ace. And of course, he comes out and and craps the bed. I think his PFF grade was in the 20s on special teams, Tim. So uh, just can't have it, man. You you can't win ball games like that, dude. You just can't. Yeah, I I watched the tape. Um, I saw a couple clips on online that kind of showed, you know, kind of that uh, that Madden type view of the of the field, you know, the north and south look. And I it was really hard to see what what the heck happened it looked like maybe there was a little extra after the after the block and then Levitt kind of got up and he must have said something he looked very like physically demonstrative he must have said something to the official that triggered the the second penalty you know I'm assuming still don't really have clear a lot of clarity on on exactly what the heck is going on with that however that's not why Dallin Levitt has been released it might have been you know the final straw that that kind of said okay it's time to make a move but i, I gotta believe that they probably had him one foot out the door the last few weeks as yeah. it is he was probably skating on thin ice as it is which which is kind of sad because i mean you know like they literally held a spot for you on this team you know you know with a thin safety room you know just for you to play special teams and and, and be quote unquote that leader that that unofficial captain of our special teams unit and you've been nothing but a liability thus far um and you're grading low and now you're costing us yardage i mean it's so important for this team to get off to a good start and and we just can't have things like that happen on the on the opening kickoff uh, of a game so i think that might have just been the last straw yeah um it's just 
inconsistency to me, Tim. There's times where I was like, okay, look, look at Dallin Levitt out here on special teams. But more times than not, it was the opposite. And I don't like to spend a whole lot of time talking about stuff like this because it looks like it's kind of revisionist. You know, it's like, oh, now that they've cut him, now we'll dog him like a lot of people did Rasul, um, which is just absolutely wild because he's probably going to win defensive player of the week, by the way. I heard that earlier. <laughs> so, um, you know, when it comes to Levitt, the inconsistencies, guys, you can go all the way back to the 49ers game. Do you remember when we lost to the 49ers in the snow in that playoff game? You know the the block punt? Dallin yeah. Levitt was PP. He was personal protection on that punt. Yeah. And he's the reason that that it got blocked. So, uh, you know, not the, I'm not saying he's the reason we lost the game. I'm just saying that inconsistency goes all the way back to there. And, look, he is one of Rich Passaccia's guys, right? Um, and they – kept them as long as they could and finally decided, you know what, it's time to move on. When you, It's one thing if you get beat. It's another thing when you beat yourself because of just stupid mistakes, right? And when you when you do get chirpy with an official or do something like that, essentially what you're saying is I'm more important than the team right now. My feelings are more important than the team right now. And you just can't have a hat. If you're going to get a penalty, listen, I know, I know it's not respectful. I know it's not moral. But if you're going to get a penalty – Lay somebody out. That's just the way I feel. Don't don't yeah. get a penalty chirping with the official. Yeah. Something go go the Zach time route, man. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, game's over. Fine. I'm going to take out six people right now. <laughs> I got 10 grand laying around. What the heck, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, uh, Brent X with the uh, the donation there, just the super chat says, go, Pat, go. Thank you, Brent. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, so – Let's move on to the next thing after we got that out of the way. Dallin Levitt is now gone. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, who was it? Someone. Oh, remember Ty Montgomery back in the day? Remember when he yeah. was told, don't bring it out of the end zone? He bring it out of the end zone. He was cut after the game. Didn't get back on the plane, I don't believe. But. Right. And his attitude was, I was trying to make a play. It's like, yeah, that. that's great. But, you know, <laughs> there's 51 other guys on this team that wanted you to take a knee, man. Right. <laughs> like, including the coach that said. Including the coaches. That, take a knee. <laughs> yeah, that, said, that told you to do that. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, all right, let's do this. Next news real quick. This is really, really cool. I, I really enjoyed this. Matt Schneidman um, actually tweeted this out. He said, Aaron Jones, uh, quote, quote, 13 minutes left in the fourth. I went out there. They told me to stay back here in the locker room. I real, realize it's only AJ in the game. So, Let's just just to get in his ear and be there for the offense. I knew if they see me, it would kind of lift them, it would lift them a bit, a little bit. So leaders gonna lead, man. Think about Dallin Levitt <laughs> wanting to get chirpy with the official, and it's all about his feelings, and he thinks he got screwed and the heck with the team right now. And then think of Aaron Jones dragging his leg back out there just so age so he can get in AJ's ear. And and everybody knows that. Aaron Jones is basically A.J. Dillon's mentor. They've talked yep. about that from day one. Really close friends, but A.J. looks up to Aaron so much. And, and I know people are down on A.J. today because the yards per carry and the running game wasn't there. Guys in the passing game, he was phenomenal. Like, yep. he he was a big reason we won that game in the passing game. Crucial third down, we were just talking about it offline. A third and eight in the first quarter, two seconds left in the first quarter, third and eight, Dillon catches a pass for 20 yards. Broke a tackle, if I remember correctly, too, to kind of bust it uh, beyond the first down marker. So just 
Aaron Jones here, though, Tim, you can't say enough about this guy, man. And look, he had another bad game before he got hurt, right? And I'm going to continue to, if you see it, you got to say it. Right now, it looks like he's starting to decline. I know he's banged up, but it looks like he's starting to decline. But this this aspect of his game right here, hey, thank God he's on this team, man, because that's the, think of the guys who are a little banged up or you're a little down on yourself because you didn't make the play before or you made a mistake in the first half. And then you see Aaron Jones come out of that tunnel who can't play, who would kill to be on that field at that moment, and him out there encouraging you. You think it's going to make you pick your rear end up off your shoulders? And go, All right, let's go. Like I, I can put your big, like Will Farrell said, put your big boy pants on, right? Put your yep. big pants on. But what do you think of that Aaron Jones uh, quote there, man? Like I said, man, leaders are gonna lead, right? That's that's what this guy is all about. We know that, and yeah, the the relationship he's got with AJ, both on and off the field, you know, personally and professionally, does come into play. Um, but you know, like Aaron said too, it was for the team, you know, for 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 all of those guys and the staff and everybody to just see that. You know, that we breathed a collective sigh of relief after we saw the tunnel footage, right, last night. And and we saw him walking, you know, no walking boot, no no little, um, you know, crutches or any, no, no assistance. I mean, that's a great sign. So you're talking about morale boost right there, you know, because, man, that we we all held our breath for a minute there watching Aaron get on the cart. That was that was tough to watch. And And, yeah, you know. There's no secret about it. We know where he's at in this stage of his career, um, yeah. you know, arguably on a decline. Sure. And uh, maybe not that arguably as of late. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if Aaron Jones wants to play football, um, Aaron Jones is going to is going to do what he has to do to get back there on the field. And a guy as electric as he's been for this team throughout his career. I got to believe that uh, there's always one more in him, and that if for some reason we are playing relevant football well into December and we might be knocking on a door of a seed in the playoffs. I know everyone laugh, go ahead. Um, <laughs> you know, Aaron Jones is going to want to be out there and anything, you know, if he's in pads on the sideline, that's, that's huge. Um, and you never know that guy could break off a, a, an explosive play at any minute. So, you know, and obviously he's, you know, gold here, man, you know, we have a lot of respect for Aaron and I, I truly hope he retires a Packer. And, uh, you know, hopefully not anytime soon. We'll see what the official injury report says as we go. I wonder if we're getting that earlier now this week on a short week. Should we have something tomorrow maybe after practice? Um, I don't know. But uh, prayers up for Aaron. And uh, really glad to see that he was walking under his own power because that, that looked really bad, man. I'm glad he's all right. Yeah, like I said, we've seen him walking in the locker room, man. That that made me feel so much better. Seeing that smile on his face was just like, that's awesome. Um, yep. Larry in the chat here says, although the production wasn't there, A.J. was running with conviction. Absolutely. There was one play on a third and short, third and one, and he, I mean, he lowered his head, and it sounded like a gunshot when he hit that line, fell forward for the first time. I was more proud of that run than any other play in the game because it's like that's that's what we need from A.J. Dillon. You could just tell they had the line of scrimmage controlled, and he's like, no, nah, we're going to blast through this thing. Um, yep. So I completely agree, Larry. That's what I've seen as well. That's, that's your guy, right? Hey, man, we need a yard. Can you get us a yard? I'm going to go get us a yard. Don't worry. I'll get a yard. And and thunder and lightning, right? We're down lightning right now, but we still got thunder. And, um, you know, hopefully Patrick Taylor coming in the mix alleviates um, a little bit of the pressure for A.J. in the passing game because I think he was filling that Aaron Jones void in the pass, short passing game. 
Um, so maybe Taylor gets some of those looks and AJ's carrying the ball a little bit more. We'll see. Maybe those yards per carry go up with more more touches um, and better blocking from our offensive line, that perhaps. Could that could help. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the old John Coon quote, though, when you were talking about getting a yard. They said, John Coon, when you need two yards, he'll get you two yards. When you need three yards, he'll get you two yards. yards. <laughs> that always cracked me up. Robert Allen said, you better have your big boy pants on on Thursday. Amen to that, brother. We are banged up. As a matter of fact, let's knock that out right now. I think I've got the injury list here. It's ugly, guys. I'm just going to say it. There it is. Um, I think there's like maybe four guys on their injury report. So on ours, we've got Jair Alexander, Corey Ballantyne, Devondre Campbell, Kenny Clark, Josiah DeGuara, A.J. Dillon, Rudy Ford, Rashawn Gary, Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave, Keyshawn Nixon, Darnell Savage, Christian Watson, Dontavian Wicks, and Emmanuel Wilson. Let's just kind of put it into the did not participate. Devondre Campbell did not participate. Josiah DeGuara did not participate. Aaron Jones did not participate. Luke Musgrave did not participate. Dontavian Wicks did not participate. And Emmanuel Wilson did not participate. Everyone else was pretty much limited. Now, when it comes to Dontavian Wicks, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be very, very, very hard, darn near impossible to clear concussion protocol on a short week. Just kind of the luck of the draw there. And it really sucks because we may hit on this here in a little bit. If you'll see right here, Tim, Dontavian Wicks was our yeah. highest graded player, according to PFF, at a 76.1. We should note on that injury report, though, that Technically, nobody participated today. There was no practice. Right. Just kind of a mock one, right? Kind of a mock one coming off of that game. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I said, tomorrow, hopefully, we'll get a little more in depth. You know, interestingly enough, you know who I did not see on there? Eric Stokes Jr. Oh, he wasn't, was he? No. And uh, also, he, Darnell Savage. Has he been activated yet? I don't know. No. I, know Darnell, I can't Darnell, confirm that. <laughs> and Darnell, Darnell Savage, Savage is in the window right now, I believe, right? right? The 21-day yeah. window. So we could see a, a Savage return as well. Yeah. Um, I'm I don't, pretty sure Stokes. I could be wrong, but I think Stokes is still on IR, IR technically, so that's why he's not showing he's up. He's not showing up. Savage popped up on there because I think he entered that window like you were talking about. So Okay, that makes um, sense. Yeah. I think that's think that's the case. Uh, Omer said AJ doing much better, uh, and he made four big catches on four targets. Absolutely, like I said, man, just doing doing what he had to do to to help him move the sticks was uh, was absolutely Pretty big target for Jay Money too, right? Oh, I absolutely. mean, when you, there's worse things to look at when you're under pressure and the pocket's collapsing, and you've got AJ running out in the flat, and you can yeah. flip that ball out to him. And we all know if AJ gets the wheels turning. He'll, he'll he'll bang in you and take you for a ride. You know, you could add another four or five yards onto those uh, those catch and runs. So, you yeah. know, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Definitely. I like like this right here. Red Mo in the chat said, that's just the depth chart, boys, not the injury report. Oh, wait. <laughs> you call me anything you want, but don't call me that. I wish it was the depth chart. Ooh. I'm telling you, I've seen that. I'm, I'm so fired up for Thursday, and i seen that injury report, and I went, oh, no, <laughs> we don't got a chance. <laughs> We're going to be playing with some – Tim, you probably know some people over there on the east side of the river that's going to be suiting up for the Packers on Sunday. <laughs> that's that's how rough it's looking. But hey, man, I'll, I'll stretch if they need a kicker. <laughs> there you go. Go out there and put one through. Nobody I told you, man, one of, my, one of my claim to fame is I hit a 47-yard field goal one time. And uh, wasn't in shape, couldn't walk for a week, bro. <laughs> not walk for a week. But, uh, yeah, so, all right, let's do this. Jordan Love this week. Pretty cool stuff here. Hard, so, sorry it's kind of hard to see. I'll read it off to you. The Green Bay Packers tweeted this out. Quarterback Jordan Love has been nominated for the FedEx Air 
Player of the Week following Sunday's 23-20 win over the Los Angeles Chargers. Vote for him here. So if you go to their Packers page, the Twitter page for the Packers, they'll have a link there, or you can just Google it. Uh, as I always say, Google is your friend. Make sure you vote for Jordan Love, okay? Let's get him the FedEx Air uh, Player of the Week. Um, pretty cool seeing him kind of kind of come out and just ball out, Tim. I mean, I did a poll. I was going to share the poll, but there really no interest, uh, no no reason to. It, it basically came down to him and Jaden Reed for the player of the game. You know, I, I want to start doing that after each game and ask everybody that that I'm interact with on Twitter. All right, who do you think's the player of the game? It came down to Jordan Love and Jaden Reed. It was a two man race, and Jordan Love won it, obviously. So just nice to see him up for that award for sure, man. Oh yeah, for sure, man. And make sure you vote. Uh, I don't know how many days that's up for. Is it just till till Friday? I don't know. Last time we were in here promoting it, and it already ended. <laughs> so I'm pretty bad about that stuff. Um, I already voted. I actually voted a couple of times. So just make sure you get it in tonight, and you ain't got to worry about it, right? So exactly. Um, I'm, I'm thinking probably before Thursday, right? Because the new week is technically Thursday, right? Yeah, I think so. so yeah. yeah. Pretty cool though that uh, he was the first quarterback in two years to pass for 300 yards. Think about that, man. That's pretty wild. And people will immediately say, "Oh, well, it's because we were behind." Guys, we were behind a lot last year too. Like, yeah. let's don't sit here and pretend like this isn't worth noting, right? Um, and again, it's amazing how people say, "Oh, well, their pass defense is trash." It's funny nobody was saying that before the game. Everybody was talking about this pass rush as elite, right? They were talking about Bosa and Khalil Mack. Now all of a sudden, Jordan Love has a good game. And it turns into not everybody, some, you know, it turns into this whole, well, they're a trash defense. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, all right. This is really cool. I wanted to hit on this. Let me check on the chat real quick, make sure we're not missing anything. Um, hey, I completely agree with that, Chad. He says the green unis need to be our home fit every game. Um, you know, I like the I like the tradition of the Green Bay Packers regular jerseys. I do, but that green one goes back a little bit further, which is cool. I'm a big fan of the what they refer to as the pool ball, um, uh, the cue ball, whatever you want to call it, eight ball uh, jerseys that they wore, which was honoring the uh, 1920s Packers, right? That's my favorite one because, you know, they got the the brown helmet, you know, signaling, yeah. signifying the uh, the leather helmet and all that. But, yeah, those jerseys yesterday, those 50s are pretty clean too, Tim. It's just the history buff in me when it comes to the Packers, I immediately think, man, we sucked back then. I don't know if I like this, but, boy, they look clean, man. They look clean. Are you a big jersey guy, Tim? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love, and I love the throwbacks, you know, uh, both of these. Um, yeah, I'm probably a little bit more, uh, partial to the, the twenties throwbacks. I'm with you, Clayton. Uh, but these 50 ones, the, uh, the fifties throwbacks, the aesthetic is awesome. And, um, you know, they did a great job bringing these uniforms out. And I know we've got at least a, another handful of seasons with them being that Jersey option. Um, and I would like to think probably in the future, they, they will swing back to the old, uh, 1920s blue again um but yeah man i don't know about every game wearing them but i I certainly think there's an argument for multiple home games or possibly the ability to use that as a as a color rush alternate on a road game you know i i you know i don't know but uh yeah more than once a year would be cool i'd totally be down with that i i just uh i still like the current uniforms as well you know because those have pretty much been the same since the the sixties, right? Right after. Yeah. Pretty you know, much. Slight variances here and there, but generally the same thing. But uh yeah, man, those are cool. I, I really like those a lot. I, I gotta get me another uh another fifties throwback jersey one of these days. <laughs> nice. 
Robert Allen in the chat said, I saw a couple guys in the chat yesterday that won't be putting in their vote for love. <laughs> yeah, don't even bother asking them either. You know what the answer is going to be. I'm not going to, so quit asking. <laughs> I just don't understand it, man. It's okay to say it's just one game, but to come in here and go, oh, you guys are crazy. There's no way he's a quarterback of the future. I'm like, all right, man. Fan how you want to fan, my guy. Fan but, how but, you want to fan. Let's see what happens Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Especially minus uh, uh, Tay Wicks possibly here, which is apparently what it's going to be. It's looking more and more like that. You You alluded to that, right? How do you clear protocol? in this short of a window, you just don't. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see anyone being optimistic about it. It seemed like everybody was like, it pretty much guarantees he won't play. Um, and man, what a, what a playmaker dude, that dude is, he's going to be special. And all I can hear, I, I know you guys get tired of hearing me say it, but all I can hear is Greg Cosell on that podcast saying this kid, Tay Wicks, this kid gets it. That's what he said going into the draft. And I was like, holy cow. He was talking about the route running too. So he nailed it. Lance Dominguez in the chat says, what is Aaron Jones's injury? Did we ever get confirmation on what the MRI said? I know the x-ray came back negative. Um, I know there's some people saying that it, they're probably looking at four to six weeks. Omer said Jones two to three weeks out. Most likely I read. So, uh, I think we've got it narrowed down, Tim, somewhere between two to six weeks, probably. Yeah, two to three sounds a lot better. Four yeah, to six, he's done for the year. So we uh... – In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I don't know. I I haven't heard anything official. You know, the x-rays being negative are a good sign, right? But, you know, Mm -hmm. the MRI is way more detailed. So, uh. I don't know. And, and missing any time with him is going to hurt us. Uh, we can talk about his production all, all you want this year, but him being out there on the field, like like I said before, is just huge. Um, but guys have to step up. You know, this is going to be a tough game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were just talking about Wicks, and, you know, him being out. Jones is going to be out, right? Um, you know, we were talking about special teams uh, disasters, a.k.a. Dallin Levitt. You know who's been quietly playing his way onto this team and is probably going to get some reps on offense now is Malik Heath. You know, I'd, I, I'd be interested when we go to the grades. I'm, I'm sure he didn't grade super, super high on special teams. But, you know, Malik Heath seemed to be in the mix a lot. 
And I think he knows that that's a way for him to stay active and to stay on this, on this team going forward and get a chance to get a target here and there in the offense when his, when his number's called. So, uh, you know, it's going to be all hands on deck against the Lions. So I would be looking uh, for number 18 out there um, this Thursday, possibly. And you could see him on that end around, too, to Jaden Reed. We'll be hitting that on Chalk Talk tomorrow. The plan is to do Chalk Talk tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central. Okay, so if everything goes as planned, that's when we'll be going live for that. But uh, uh, Omer in the chat says we need Jairam Ford back for Thursday. Completely agree. That would be a big lift. No doubt about it. Um, all right, let's do this, man. Something else I wanted to cover, Tim. This was really cool. I was hoping we get to the PFF grades. We may not, or we might just briefly hit on them. But this was a Paul Brettel article that that popped up, okay? And here was the tweet he sent out. Make sure you guys go show him some love over at Packers Wire. You can find this link on his Twitter page, at Paul underscore Brettel. And he'll be with us uh, on Wednesday night is the plan um, instead of Thursday since Thursday's Thanksgiving. But okay. the, uh, the touchdown pass to Watson was not in the game plan. Rather, it was a play drawn up on the fly by tight end coach John Dunn based on a look that the Chargers had given the Packers earlier in that drive. More on that play here. Now, again, guys, I told Paul I was going to read some of this article, so he's totally cool with it. But let's just go give him a click and you know show him some yeah, love. There. Absolutely. This is priceless right here. This type of this type of content is incredible. Incredible work by Paul Brettel. This is what I live for right here is the, the X's and O's, the ins and outs of trying to understand. And, and what's cool is the coaches aren't going to tell you everything. So you got to piece it together. And right. that's what I'm going to do here for the next few minutes for you guys. So the article says, I'm going to kill my camera as I get close here. Um, it says, the touchdown pass from Jordan Love to Christian Watson during Sunday's 23-20 to win over the Los Angeles Chargers was not a play the Green Bay Packers have worked on throughout the week. In fact, it wasn't even in the game plan for the week. Very nice, uh, Jordan Love said uh, post-game of the play design and execution. Quote, that touchdown was actually a play that I think Matt just kind of drew up on the sideline after seeing a look that we had previously, something that wasn't even really in the game plan. On second and nine from the Chargers' 11-yard line with the third quarter coming to a close, Watson lined up in the slot on the right side of the formation with Dontavian Wicks motioning to his side of the field as the ball was snapped. On the left side, Tucker Craft ran to the flat while Luke Musgrave ran a curl route that drew the attention of the safety. With the safety crashing down on Musgrave, a pocket in the back left corner of the end zone opened up for Watson, who was running a crossing route. With a free release from Watson's speed, the two Charger defenders couldn't keep up, resulting in a relatively easy score. All right, so there's that. And then if we go down a little bit further in the article, it says, while Love gave credit to LaFleur for the play design, it was actually tight ends coach John Dunn who drew that play up on the fly. We often hear the phrase, quote, in-game adjustments thrown around, and, well, that's exactly what this was. The Chargers gave Green Bay a similar look defensively earlier in that same drive, and Dunn had a counter for it the next time around. Quote, I've got, I've got to John Dunn all the – got to give John Dunn all the credit in the world on that, said LaFleur. There was a play earlier in that drive. We always look at the pictures, and he, John Dunn, saw something there. He suggested a play, and then we called it. Hit the coverage – and those guys went out there and executed it. It was a great job by Christian hauling rear end. I love it, dude. I love it. I'm just going to say it. It was a great job by Christian hauling ass across the field, and Jordan made a good throw. The credit goes to John Dunn in that situation. All right, so you guys are probably sitting there going, what play are we talking about? What did it look like, Clayton? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at it real quick. We'll do a little mini chalk talk here, okay? So I drew the play up. I'm going to show you this first, okay? So, obviously, the red X's are the defense, okay? Um, you can see we're on offense. Basically, what we came out in was a 12-gun 
And really, you could call this Bunch Nasty X, although Z isn't quite in the bunch set. It's a little bit of an odd bunch, especially when you got two tight ends, one kind of playing that wing and the other flexed a bit, but off, but on the line of scrimmage. So essentially what you got is if you look at this, the Z, I believe, was Jaden Reed, if I remember correctly. The Y was obviously Luke Musgrave. The U was Tucker Craft. And by the way, Tucker Craft starting to starting to flash a little bit, and that's exciting. Yep. Um, and then obviously the X on the opposite side. I know they had him listed as a slot, and the reason being is because in the article is because when the Z comes over, he's he kind of becomes that that outside receiver, which would make Christian the slot. However, I think the way they look at that is that Z kind of becomes flyer when he's on the move. And then, of course, I would still refer to Christian Watson as the X simply because the X is on the line of scrimmage opposite the Y. Okay, that's kind of how I see it. So the squiggly line there is showing you the motion. So what I'm going to do to help draw this a little bit better for you guys, it's going to get a little bit wonky, a little bit wide, but hopefully just me illustrating it will help here. Okay, and I'm going to go full screen for a second, Tim. Just confirm you can see that for me, buddy. Yep. All right, cool. So this is essentially what we got. At the bottom, you see the Z, right? He's going to be going in that motion. That's what that squiggly line is. All right, so he's going to motion over, and that's what we call quick motion. I call that Z quick, okay? They're going to snap it while he's got a full head of steam, right? So this is what I think happened on that play when when LaFleur, when they kind of drew it up on the sideline. Essentially, in the West Coast offense, you got three different types of reads. you got pure progression, you got yes-no reads, and you got pick a side, okay? Uh, you know, a pure progression is you're reading from either left to right or right to left. You go read one, read two, read three, check it down. That's typically how that works. Yes, no reads are all based around one-on-one matchups where you go, okay, I got my one-on-one matchup there. Is it yes, no? Is it, you know, is it yes, throw it? Is it no? It's a lot like what Greg Cosell talks about, elimination, isolation, that type of play. Um, and then you've got pick a side where we've talked about this a lot, and the Packers use this a lot in their offense, where on one side of the field you've got a one high beater. On the second, on the other side of the field, you got a two high beater. So if their middle field close, you've got a concept on, on one side of the field to beat the middle field close, which is a single high look, right? And then if they're middle field open, on the other side, you've got a two high beater to beat middle field open. Okay, in this situation, if you'll notice, I'm going to draw on the screen here, they are in what we call middle field open. There's a safety. There's a safety. That's called shell. That's two on the shelf. Okay. Now, why does this play work? What I want you to key on. Look at this. Look at these defenders right here. Okay. One, I think that's either the 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 uh, an extra safe. I think that's the safety right here on the left side. And then these are the backers, right? So when you put the Z in motion, right? When you put that Z in motion, those guys that I got limit, uh, you know, highlighted there. Watch what happens. You see these little dotted lines. They all shifted over. So he shifted here. This guy shifted here. This guy shifted way outside, right? Because now he's going to kind of, kind of become that boundary defender. This guy's going to kind of walk over, and this safety is going to be able to cover anything else across the middle, all right? So as soon as they motion this Z across, right, and these guys shift, so he moves here, right? There's your new spot for that X, obviously, here. Now look at your hat count on this side of the field. So this X is no longer in in the picture, right? So you've got one, two. You've only got two defenders on that side of the field. Now, what they were uh, typically doing all game is they were running pick a side. So in this case, you would want a two high beater, right? So with a two high beater, you would typically attack the middle of the field. When you motion the Z over and everybody shifts, these two guys get a little bit cocky. It gives them a little false sense of security here, right? They think, okay, that's all we got to worry about are these two defenders over here. We got to worry about the U. We got to worry about the Y. So essentially what happened, as soon as the ball was snapped, the U goes to the flat, right? So this defender, as you can see, covers the flat. 
the safety sees the Y come out and hit the curl, so he just clamps down, right? This is what we were talking about we wanted to see with Christian Watson. Forget forcing the ball to him. Stop with the jump ball stuff, the 50-50 ball stuff. Let's get creative and scheme it open. So typically this is not a play design that you would run together. All game long, guys, what they wanted to run, and I'm going to kind of draw it up here for you, this right here is called curl flat. That's the concept. It's the curl with the flat combo. On the other side of the field, even with the Z motion and over, they ran a lot of they ran a lot of snag, and they also ran a lot of uh, what we call hoss. Okay, with snag, this guy goes deep inside, right? And with hoss, it would be deep, and this guy would run a sit, right? So you're kind of attacking high low, and that's that's what you would call a cover one beater. So what I think happened on the sideline was they came out and said, hey, look, when we run that over there on that side of the field, they're really clamping down on it. They're basically playing zone match principle. They're they're playing zone, and when, hey, look, there's nothing over the top, don't worry about it. This safety can cover. We're good if they do try something. When they motion that Z over, it walks this guy out. This guy has to step over. This guy has to step over. There's no one that's going to be able to run with Christian Watson. The only person that had a shot is this safety, and I'm sorry, he absolutely cooked him. So, again, that play call right there, what I would call the final result of what John Dunn drew up on the on the sideline would be 12-gun, bunch-nasty X, right? It would be curl-flat slot cross. This right here is a simple slot cross concept. And if you watch the way the Z runs on the route, it's, it's really not even that he did a dig. It's almost like a, a little choice route. Like as soon as this safety vacates, he also kind of rolled his off a little bit like this, almost like a double crosser and it gave uh, Jordan Love another option. And you'll see on the tape, too, once this safety bailed, he could have actually hit Jaden Reed as well. But great timing, no hesitation, hits Christian Watson in the back of the end zone with an absolutely perfect throw. Tim, I, when I seen that article come in, I was like, now, now, now Matt LaFleur's winning me over, man. Yeah. These are the adjustments we wanted. We wanted him to stop banging his head against the wall and make adjustments. And, look, they're – you can't feed your ego and your family at the same time. That's a saying we got in business, right? You can, you can feed one or the other, but you can't feed them both, right? The fact that Matt LaFleur drops his ego, listens to John Dunn, the tight ends coach, that is a coaching staff that's working together. And then you go back and look at Aaron Jones hobbling out of the locker room to be there for his teammates. You're starting to see real unity really, really start to create here. And it's it's exciting, man. But did all that make sense, Tim? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I, that's the quote I wrote down. Oh, well, he suggested a play and we called it. That's your head coach listening to his staff. You know, Matt LaFleur is, is the offense, right? He's calling these plays, right? Mm -hmm. So he can veto any of that at any time. And he may have had something that he wanted to run. So to, to have the flexibility to trust your staff like that in that situation, real-time adjustment in a game, it literally got us a tutter, guys. And that's that's great to see. And that's the type of route I want to see Scoot running, man, because you're absolutely right. Nobody can run with him. Yeah, You can't. You just can't. You see him stretching the field uh, up the boundary, and I'm not going to say guys are running with him, but you can play off ball, and you can kind of time that and contest those catches, especially with safety help. Well, when you scheme the safety out of there and there's only one, I'm, my money's on Christian Watson to win that every time. So, And then an absolute dime piece from Jordan Love, honestly. I mean, as close to it as we've seen, he he threw that in rhythm and, and dropped that ball in the bucket, man, beautifully on that play. So, yeah. I mean, 
Can't and, say enough about it. The key too is that Z quick motion. And and again, that's something that we've seen all across the league. Miami really, really started it early in the year. You've seen San Francisco pick it up quick. Quick motion, you're just giving your guys a full head of steam so they can hit that route running. That's why that guy bounced so far outside that corner did or that safety and was like, All right, we got to be ready to cover deep. This this kid is moving, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Jaden Reed. It was either Jaden Reed or Tay Wicks, but I think it was Jaden one. Reed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be true for either one. And that's what I was gonna say. Hey. That motion is great, but it's also who who are you motioning? Because there's there's times we see motion in offenses and nobody believes that the guy's going to do anything right. um, in, in the motion. So when you send Reed or Wicks or you know even Watson, those guys in motion, that defense has to they have to try and cheat. That's why they slide over, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes if you cheat, you get beat, right? Absolutely. Um, Robert Allen in the chat said, Mike Wall showed the same play and process to perform, said the same thing. That's awesome. I haven't watched it yet. So, uh, you know, anytime someone talks about something Mike Wall said, if I broke it down too, I go, oh, God, did I get it right? <laughs> that's yeah, right. Thing. So that's cool that we uh, we seen the same thing there. And that's just kind of dissecting the article. Paul did an amazing job laying that out, illustrating. That dude writes. I love his writing, Tim, because an idiot like me, he's straight to the point. Every some articles you read, I'm just going to be honest, some articles you read by people and it's like, why are you trying to sound so smart? Like you're, you're making this way too difficult to follow along. We don't care how well you can articulate your your sentences. Right. We want to know what happened in the game. And Paul, there's no one better than Paul Brittle at that. So you guys make sure you go show him some love. Um, absolutely awesome writer for sure. So. Um, all right. With that being said, let's uh, let's talk a little PFF grade. Is that cool with you, Tim? Yeah, man. Uh, we, we're doing good, man. We're to see these. I, I took a peek at them earlier when you tweeted them, but uh, let's break these down. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just do all my cringing right now because there's a yeah. lot of red and orange. <laughs> right. And, you, and here's what's crazy, though. You still get the win, right? That's what I'm saying. There's something about this team, man. I'm telling you, you better watch out for our Packers when, when these things start clicking. And there's no more orange and red on these PFF grades. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. Let's start with just the team overall grade. Okay. So first things first, this is the overall grades across the league. Okay. Team grades. So obviously the 49ers in first place at 93.7, you got to go down to the 18th spot to see the Packers at a 76.1. Okay. So that kind of puts into perspective where we are, you know, according to PFF. Now, if you look at the standings right now, we're currently the number eight seed in the NFC. So obviously that's right around that same range. I think PFF's done a good job of kind of throwing that out there. Now, what what are we good at, right? Let's focus in on what what is this team good at? We're good at pass blocking. We are the third highest graded pass blocking team in the entire NFL. I know some people still seem to think that the offensive line is the reason that Jordan Love is not playing well. It's simply not the case. And I don't just say that because of PFF. If you go look at the SIS data, like I said, he's been pressured less than every other quarterback in the league other than uh, Tua Tungavailoa. So the pass blocking has really held up well. We know that's what Goody drafts for. We're building this team around being able to pass block, and it might be, too, the reason that LaFleur wants to pass so much, right? Now, obviously, what do we do bad, Tim? We talk about it all the time, run blocking, right? Run blocking grade for the Packers. We have the eighth worst run blocking grade, according to PFF, as a team at 55.4. You want to know why Aaron Jones is struggling? You want to know why A.J. Dillon is struggling? This is the big reason right here is the offensive line are not run blocking up to snuff right now. Okay. Now you guys know I blamed I blamed some of the uh 
some of the play calling early in the season because all the extra sifting and everything, that has calmed down a lot. And like Mike Wall pointed out to me the other day, he said, Clayton, they can't even block inside zone right now. So there you see it, PFF kind of kind of telling the, the the rest of the story there as well. But, Tim, anything stick out to you on these uh, these graphics right here, bro? Yeah, I think it's it's telling, you know, with our backs, whether it's Dylan or Jones or, you know, um, Emmanuel Wilson and, you know, we'll see a little Patrick Taylor here. It's when they do get yards, you, you got to give them credit because they're kind of doing it, you know, on their own. I hate to say it. Or, or at the very least, they're getting creative. Um, and, you know, there's not usually big, gigantic holes in the National Football League to run through anyway. Right. Uh, but you you got to be able to create a seam for your for your running back. You've got to be able to just hit someone in, in, like Mike Wall says, I love that quote. They're in the business of moving bodies, right? You got to move a body. And it just, it pains me because my understanding has always been that, you know, most offensive linemen man they they live to run block you want to you want to get up there and shove someone um usually teams struggle with with pass pro and we're kind of the opposite so um kind of gives me hope maybe they can clean this up moving forward but we we haven't seen much in the way of uh improvement all year in this category i think at this point yeah it doesn't feel like it's going to get any better now maybe as the weather turns colder defenses start to struggle to cover the run a little bit more you know those that, those AJ Dillon, you know, pounding uh pounding the rock there uh, at the line of scrimmage in the cold weather, it makes those defenders a little less uh I don't know, a little less interested in, in making contact. Those pads start to hurt when it turns cold. But yeah. I, I don't see there being a big difference, Tim. I really don't, man, as the season goes on. Goose in the chat here says, I'm late and I'm tired, just wanted to drop in and praise this team. Even if the grades were lower than expected, they fought hard and pulled it out. Absolutely. That's what's so intriguing is to see the team grade out so low. And you still get the dub, guys. We got to give credit to the coaching staff. I've been as critical as anyone on the coaching staff this year, but the fact that when you turn on the tape and you see players didn't maybe perform as high as you thought they would, with the exception of Tay Wicks, Tay Wicks was phenomenal, man, absolutely phenomenal. He just popped off the screen to me all day long. I thought Jordan played played pretty well as well, but um, some of the passes off the mark. Um, sometimes he uh, didn't throw to open receivers, things like that. So PFF's obviously going to judge that as well. But, uh, Goose, so glad to hear from you, buddy. And, again, congratulations on the little baby boy. Um, let's do this, Tim. Let's move on to the next set of PFF grades. So let's go to the weekly grade here. Bang. This is from, uh, you know, basically in the entire season, every week we like to rattle them off just to kind of give you guys an idea of how the team's performing. From week one up to the current week, I'm going to read them off. Overall grades, 75.7, 65.9, 67.9, 64.1, 67.1. and then against the Chargers, 62.5. Obviously, the highlight of the game on offense was the receiving grade. You can see it all over the tape as well. The low point was definitely the running grade of 59.2, but the lowest was run block of 56.4. On the defensive side of the ball, defense, according to PFF, did not play well, 56.3. Why is that, guys? We talk about it on Chalk Talk. We're pointing it out every single week. Tackling. Ton of missed tackles, ton of missed uh, run uh, run gap fits, and also uh, blown coverages. You've seen several blown coverages yesterday. But um, run defense, 56.3. Tackling, 41.1. Pass rush, 66.1. Always the uh, the positive when it comes to the defense. 
coverage 51.3, special teams grade 57.6. So again, Tim, what we talk about, right? You've got the blown coverages, 51.3. That seems to be, yes, that is their worst coverage grade of the entire year. Keep in mind, Rasul Douglas had two interceptions in his game. All right, just saying. Tackle grade 41.1. That is the third lowest tackle grade of the season so far, man. That's what I seen on tape. Did you see it the same way? Do you think uh you think PFS spot on here? I, I do. As close to it as you can be. And um, you know, the I guess the thing I would say if we look at just the numbers here, <laughs> we keep these up and we're we're looking in the tackling grade column based on the if you look at the trend, they're gonna tackle like monsters on Thursday. <laughs> they're due. You know, we see this, we we've seen these couple games here. 88.5, 80.8 tackle grade, where they all of a sudden, they, they, they I don't know what it is. They just go out and they execute and they wrap up. Hopefully, that's what it's gonna is gonna happen on Thursday because if not, we're gonna get steamrolled, and, and it could be a bloodbath of epic proportions. Um, you know, so the defense has got to show up um, against Detroit, and you know. I think if Jordan and this offense can put together another good game, another solid performance, I think we can squeak a win out. But if our defense is missing tackles and we're busting coverages, we're toast. It's yeah. it's that simple. You've got to tackle and you, you've got to execute on defense. Definitely. Chris in the chat said, uh, Jonathan Owens is a poor tackler. I trust PFF saw it the same. What sucks about that too, is that was supposed to be the positive point of uh, Jonathan Owens coming into the season, right? He had one of the lowest, I think he had the second lowest PFF grade of all safeties, or maybe he was the lowest. I think it was, it might've been Savage was the second lowest uh, last year, according to PFF. And this, and uh, Jonathan Owens was the lowest grade. So like we said, Goody's got a top. <laughs> There's no doubt about it in the safety room. But, uh, yeah, his his tackling was really, really bad. You'll see it on Chalk Talk tomorrow as well. So uh, let's see what It makes you wonder what they're seeing, right? You know, like yeah. what, what are they seeing? Because we haven't – we're not seeing what he was brought here to do. Yeah, it's frustrating, man. And, again, yeah. I'm not a GM. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like – and I know you're not doing it either, Tim, that like we're going to pretend that we understand player evaluation better than Brian Gutekunst, but – everybody under the sun keeps calling it out. And it's like, I mean, that's the other thing too. Think about these grades, guys. This is grading how the players played. This has nothing to do with the play calls, nothing to do with the coaching. This is simply how did the players perform, right? Right. They played like absolute dog crap. And we held the, I think, the seventh best offense in the league to 20 points. What does that say about the play calling? What does that say about this coaching staff patching together this win? I I don't know, man. I'm that – I've got to tip my hat to the coaching staff, Tim. I've got to do. Yeah. I, I think they're holding it together as best they can with, with this. They got a lot of young talent on this team and, you know, youth comes with inexperience and inexperience comes with mistakes. So, you know, I, we always talk about fire them all right, Omer, you know, and it's like, I, I don't know if that's, that's going to be the move here. I think uh, we've got a lot of solid pieces and we need to continue to build. And I think as fans, we need to just buckle up because that's exactly what's going to be happening in the next few years here. Um, but I think there's a lot of positives to be excited about. But at the end of the day, man, you got to execute. And you can't just execute one week and then take three weeks off and then execute again. Like, you have to do this week in and week out. And, hey, everybody busts a coverage here and there. Everybody misses a tackle or gets juked here and there. That's called football. 
but you got to have that happen less than less often than not, rather than more often than not, you know? And, um, you know, we talk about our run defense and the issues. You're right. You know, you, you're not gap discipline. Um, we have issues with setting edges sometimes, and then guys are poor tackling on top of it. It's like, no wonder we're getting run all over, you know, yep. so these and things, they, they're correctable and they need to be corrected. I just, you know, I hope we see them corrected soon. Yeah. And then you get, they get down the red zone, they clamp down, bend, but don't break. And I know people get tired of, you know, talking about it and hearing people talk about it. But that's that's the reason you won this game. It's the reason you've been yeah. in all these games is because the defense stiffens up and you hold them to three points. And lo and behold, at the end of the game, you got a shot. Even if yeah, you you're, you're a baseball guy, right? You, you could care less if your teammates 0 for 5 and somehow in an extra inning game ends up to bat in the bottom and walks off with a home run. Nobody's going to care. So he was 0 for 5 before that, right? So you could play bad all game. You make a play or you get it done and we get a win. That's what matters. I'm the first one to to co-sign that all day. I'm proud of this team. They executed when they needed to execute. Uh, Kenny Clark with the batted ball is a prime example. Um, You know, find a way to win. And, you know, usually you don't see that with young teams. They don't band together. They don't find a way to get over the hump despite – the challenges in the road. So I think this team is building and what they're building a lot of right now is resilience and character. And, you know, you don't look like a deer in headlights when someone goes down, uh, when you're used to guys going down with injury all year or facing adversity all year, it's next man up. Let's find a way to, to win our matchup, find a way to execute. And I think this team is slowly learning how to do that. And they're, they're playing for each other out there. Yeah, definitely. Brent X in the chat said, Barry is holding teams to 20 with this back end. He's God. Um, <laughs> man, no Jair Alexander, no Rudy Ford. And, and again, you see how Jonathan Owens, and we're going hit to hit, get the uh, the grades here in just a second, man. It's uh, it's rough, man. Um, and he somehow, some way continues to, uh, to put it there, you know, put it together. Um, it's pretty wild, man, no doubt. So uh, let's do this. Let's look at the PFF grades real quick uh, individually, offense, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, let me hide that current comment so you guys can see it. So rookie wide receiver, Dontavian Wicks. The only thing I don't like about, about his numbers here, Tim, it's real simple. That 24 snaps, <laughs> like get that snap count up for me, please. 76.1 PFF grade. Um, second was Rashid Walker with a 73.5. Third was Zach Tom with a 72.6. Zach Tom, just steady Eddie, man. Romeo Dobbs stepping up, 71.9. A.J. Dillon, 69.3. Jaden Reed, 68.8. Uh, Josh Myers, uh, 67.4. You're seeing Josh Myers start to kind of kind of steady off here a little bit, Tim. I've been as critical as anybody about Josh Myers, but look what we got here, dude. you got a 76.6 pass blocking grade and his run blocking grade, 63.2, man. Usually that's somewhere in the 40s or 50s for Josh Myers, so that's pretty impressive. Maybe he's finally settling in. Finally, Maybe. right? Finally creeping up on that 65. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I know it's delayed, but we're always going to go to it. 65%. Yes. <laughs> all right. So um, Jordan Love, 65.5. I expected him to have a higher grade because of, you know, some of the explosive plays they had. Of course, the big time throws, that type of thing with the game on the line. But I trust PFF here. 69.5 passer grade. Um, not horrible. Obviously dipping into the green there a bit, but he's starting to stabilize a little bit. You're, you're seeing that floor with Jordan Love, and that's exciting. Emmanuel Wilson, 62.5. Obviously, um, 
Uh, didn't play many snaps at all. Only had six snaps there. Uh, Tucker Craft, 61.0. Um, passing game grade was a 75.3. Pass blocking, 72.5. This felt like Tucker Craft's best game. And I know 61 ain't nothing great, nothing to ride home about. But when a rookie grades out in the 60s, Tim, that's what we've seen is kind of that baseline of, okay, we might have a something here. Now, he's got to do it consistently, right? He only had what? He actually had 30 snaps this game, which is really impressive. But Luke Musgrave, 60.3, steady Eddie there, man, just always right there around the 60 mark or in the 60s for Luke Musgrave. Want to continue to see him uh, grow for sure. When you look at the negatives, there were some people saying, you know, Sean Ryan had a bad game. I told you guys I, I didn't remember seeing him in very often. He only had six snaps. He actually graded out as a 43.4. Now, John Runyon wasn't nothing great at a 60.1 for a veteran, but – uh, Sean Ryan seemed those six snaps seem to be pretty bad. Pass blocking grade zero is what it says. I don't know how that happens, but um, Aaron Jones, like I said, too, uh, only 15 snaps, but 46.4 was his PFF grade. Um, his uh, passing game grade was a 29.6, running grade was a 56.0. So Aaron Jones continues to struggle even when he is on the field. Yash had a little bit of a bad day um, 31 snaps, 52.1. PFF grade there. Tim, what sticks out to you, man? Uh, other than the other one too, I hate to say it, but Christian Watson, I know he caught the touchdown pass and that's maybe that's what, maybe that's what you need to get him going, but a 56.8, um, he, his struggles continue as well as far as being consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that stands out to me is you were speaking about Tucker craft and um, kind of his ascent here um, and getting more touches, more opportunity. And we know this is due to, uh, the recent play of Josiah DeGuara. I mean, it's got to be, you know, there's there's some leapfrogging going on in this depth chart, uh, not just due to injury. So um, I think Matt LaFleur is probably at the point now where he figures, yeah, let's let's stick Tucker out there and get him going and, throw, you know, throw another rookie into the fire and let's see how he responds. And I, I think this game looked pretty good for him. And we'll see how he looks uh, on a short week. But if he starts stringing performances together, I think we're going to see a lot more of him. And, um, yeah, kind of surprised me. Showed a little bit of versatility in our offense, um, which I not something that we've really seen. So, uh, and, yeah, Doug, right on the money here. Almost tippy-toed in for a tutter, too, on a, on a great on a great play. Um, so, hey, you know, we kind of talked about this on draft day, right, when we got uh, Musgrave and Kraft in the, in the draft. And, uh, you know, could we possibly hit on both of these guys? Well, Musgrave looks like the real deal. And if Tucker Kraft proves to be the real deal, we could be a monster there at the tight end going forward. So a lot to be excited about there, despite some of these kind of crummy grades. Um, You know, you talk about Aaron Jones. I think it's kind of sad to say, you know, he is our third best run blocker or uh, excuse me, third best pass blocker on the offense, uh, according to the grades. So uh, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, we got yeah. we've got to do something. We've got yeah. to do something uh, about this offensive line because you know, run blocking and pass blocking are things that you've got to do in conjunction with each other. If you're one sided, you're going to see things like this. You know, these yeah. type of grades. No doubt, Doug. With the uh, chat here says that Kraft almost touchdown though. What you were pointing out, Tim, probably a top three play for me in that game. That was so much fun to watch, to see him hurdle that guy. And you see the athletic burst, the ability, the raw talent. Um, it's just, man, if he can get the fundamentals down, that dude. And he he could not wait to do that Lambo leap. And I, I respect and appreciate that more than anything. 
really do. Uh, Doug with the chat says, uh, Aaron or yeah, AJ with two yards per carry must be let go. Oh, wait, fifth PFF overall. Not shocked. That's exactly what you were just talking about, Doug, for sure, man. Um, run blocking just a bad, bad shape in this game, no doubt about it. Um, let's see what Chad Inc. says. Um, in the chat, I'm gonna go ahead and drop this graphic now. We'll get ready for the defensive graphic here. Um, so Chad Inc. said, I'm not a Barry hater, but to me, defense is all about mentality. Mentality leads to physicality, and Barry doesn't have that mentality. Players have to buy into the mentality. We need toughness as DC. Um, I'm not going to BS you, Chad. If you if you told me that you could get a Wink Martindale or a uh, you know a, a Rex Ryan style DC, I'd be more interested in that than the calm, cool, collective. You know, easy going. The, the players love Joe Barry. That's a big misconception. You know, not that you're saying that, but I've seen a lot of people go, "Man, they're just they can't stand playing for him." This and that's like. Do they? You could tell they they love playing for Barry. It's why when the criticism came down on Barry, they defended him. Right? You heard Jair defend him. Um, talk about patching this thing together. As far as the tackling, if you're saying that's a mentality thing and that's on the DC, I would have to respectfully disagree with that, Chad. These guys are professional athletes, man. If you need a DC to be fiery for you to make a tackle, you're in the wrong damn business. You know that's just kind of the way I see it. I don't. Obviously, I could be wrong, but. Um, I, I just I have a hard time buying into that. That a professional athlete needs to be motivated by the coach and needs to be have this mentality instilled in them. Again, if I had the option to choose, I agree with you. I would choose the more fiery guy because on defense, you know, you want those guys that are a little bit crazy, right? <laughs> you know, I love the idea of thinking of a Mike Singletary coaching a defense as opposed to someone like Joe Barry, who's very even kill, if that makes sense. So on offense, you want the cool collective guys, right? Yep. That you probably want those guys that, yeah, you uh, you don't know uh what they're gonna do next, right? So uh, but appreciate the chat there, uh, Chad. Let's do this. Let's talk defense while we're on it. And I want to flash this up here. Bang, guys! You've heard me. I've been roasting Kenny, not not on a personal level, but I've been talking about how Kenny Clark has not played well, right? You turn on this tape, holy cow! Absolute domination. He had a PFF grade of eighty nine point eight versus the Chargers. That is first amongst all defensive linemen in week 11. He graded out as the best defensive lineman in the entire National Football League. Somebody was mentioning a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple episodes ago, Tim, sometimes it takes Kenny a little while to get going, and we pulled up the PFF grades, and there were spurts on the second half of the season where he really turned it on. This game, man, I'm telling you, Watching him push interior offensive linemen right back into the lap of the quarterback. You and I watched that playoff line where yep. he just collapsed. The, I think it was a tackle because he was in a four-tech. Just collapsed the tackle. Absolutely right. amazing. Can if, you, you can't move him, play, man. if you can't move him, take him with you, yep. right? <laughs> if you can't beat him, take him with you. You don't exactly. You don't want to go left or right or go back. I'll just push you right into your quarterback. I mean, that's <laughs> – that's old school hard nosed defense right there, and I absolutely love it. I'm I'm here for it. Congratulations yeah. to Kenny too. I, I think it goes without saying he was due for a game like this. And oh, absolutely. You know, I think he's got the opportunity to string a few more of them together here going forward. Yeah, I agree. And when you look at the defensive grades for the Chargers game, guys, um, Kenny Clark and Carl Brooks absolutely dominated. Kenny with an eighty nine point eight. Uh, tackle grade was bad. I told you guys initially on the postgame show, looked like he missed a tackle or two. Tackling still ends, you know, it continues to be bad. Look at the pass rush grade, though, 81.8. When you talk about run defense, 78.1 was schematically sound all day long. Uh, Carl Brooks, um, 
81.0 with 25 snaps. Tim, that's exciting, man. That's another rookie getting some playing time and starting to stand out, dude. Corey Ballantyne, 71.5. We said, well, two weeks in a row he's outperformed Carrington, right? And we're all excited about Carrington. Obviously, he had uh, three passes defended, was a little bit inconsistent. Um, I think he got called for another penalty, if I remember correctly, yesterday too. Kingsley and Abare, 67.0, had 22 snaps. Obviously, that run stuff was huge. Good tackle grade of 70.5, as well as run defense of 70.2. Anthony Johnson, Jr., Pretty steady Eddie there, man. 64 snaps, played 100% of the snaps, 62.6 PFF grade, run defense grade of 66.8, tackle grade a little low at 50.8, but he was in the right spot where he was supposed to be, Tim. That's exciting with Anthony Johnson Jr., man. That's my dude right there, man. Hey, you know what? Um, he's playing like a kid excited to be playing. That's why you're seeing this. You know, He is, is soaking in every one of these snaps, every one of these moments that, that he's on the field. Um, in his rookie year and it it is it's cool to see these uh these grades and just the way he's playing you know not perfect mistake free ball um but certainly you know getting the job done out there for us and and at the very least not being a, a liability all the time which is something i talk about too i mean even if you can't play electrifying just don't don't get us in trouble um but and johnson looks like a guy out there um just excited to be playing football um, as a pro and it shows and the same can be said for Bal and Val too those are my other guys there man I'm there are some pieces in this secondary that makes me feel good about the future and uh seeing Valentine's tackle grade at 78.6 man Whew. yeah man yeah. can you imagine if we had like three or four more corners that were grading out like that consistently yeah he tackling like his job depends on it man that's right. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Kristen in the chat said, where the hell did that performance come from, Kenny? Turn back the clock three years. Amen to that, dude. Amen. Also, uh, Paul Robertson points out, Devontae Wyatt, sheesh. Yeah. yeah, so when you look at the the guys who came up short, again, you heard me talk about Jonathan Owens on the postgame show. I said, you know, he led the team in tackles, but, man, I just – there was many times I've seen him making mistakes both in coverage and tackling. He graded out a 40.5. That was the lowest on defense. Devondre Campbell, 44.1. That surprised me a bit, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, TJ Slayton, 45.4. Isaiah McDuffie, 45.8. And then Devontae White, like we said, 45.8. Quay Walker, too, uh, struggled with a 46.0, although his tackle grade, 79.5. Man, we need more of that. So, um, yeah. Keep it coming, man. Rashawn Gary, we talked about his grade would probably dip because of the penalty there at the end. Um, obviously, he had 44 snaps, um, 59.4 overall grade, run defense 69.8, pretty good there. Tackle grade 72.8, wasn't as effective in the pass rush, although he did get the key sack in the key moment. Um, Benny Sapp, look at Benny Sapp, a third coming in with one snap, baby. One coverage snap, got a 60 grade. <laughs> That's a hard day's work right there, Tim. Uh, man, I hope that knee holds together. You know, for him, he's been <laughs> he's been, I believe, three surgeries. On, on, really? I thought you yeah. were joking. So, no, yeah. no, no, no. Benny Sapp's got a got um, some knee issue. Mm. Um, or I don't know if he still has a knee issue, but I think three surgeries on a on a knee is probably an issue. Um, but uh, if he can contribute, especially on special teams, um, I'm all for it. You know, all hands on deck. Um, I think the big shocker to me, um, you know, uh, real quick, talk about um, T.J. Slayton. That was kind of a disappointing, you know, I, I didn't expect to see him have a game like this. Yeah, um, and uh, it did seem like they were trying to run at him, too, which is crazy because normally he's our he's our run stopper up there on that line as of late. 
um, or at least as close as we've had to one. So it's like, you know, Kenny steps up and then we get, we see TJ kind of, kind of backslide a little bit. Um, if we can get guys to play, uh, you know, have lights out games all at the same time, man, this will be, uh, pretty fun to watch. Um, and Quay, I just attribute to, um, you know, it's his first game back. I'm mm-hmm. not making excuses, but sometimes you need to get your, uh, get your legs under you again, get the wheels turning. And it's important for all of us to remember too, with Quay, you know, he, he hasn't been playing linebacker very long. You know, we talk about it's his second year in the NFL. He played linebacker in college. I mean, he, you're talking like four or five years of him playing that position. You know, it's not a long time. Uh, Quay was a quarterback in high school, I believe. Um, That's wild. And in youth football. Yeah. So, um, you know, for a guy that's relatively new to, to defense and, and to the position, I think uh, he's playing excellent overall. And I fully anticipate his grades to go up and his play to go up uh, in production here as he fully comes off of this uh, groin injury that he had. Um, you know, sometimes you move a little different when you're not sure of your body, right? And that may be why we saw some low numbers uh, in defense from yeah. him. Yeah. For sure. Um, Goose in the chat said, again, how has Montgomery not caught heat? I agree, man. They've got to be looking really, really close at that and, and how the defensive line is playing the run for sure. Um, I don't want to call for anybody's job, and I know you're not either, Goose, but it is it is worth mentioning, right? You've got to – I think the position coaches have really gotten off scotch-free this year when when you look at how much flack Joe Barry catches and you yeah. see how bad some of these players are performing. It's like maybe it is more on the position coach than the D.C., but uh, enough blame to go around, that's for sure. Again, though, man, pretty – Pretty uh, pretty cool that we come away with a dub with grades yeah. like that, Tim. That is exciting, man. Yeah, and again, this team got it done when they needed to get it done. You know, yeah. players make plays, and we had some plays that were made in this game, and that's why we got the dub. I mean, we had a little luck go our way too. We can't, we can't not say that. That's obvious. Um, yeah. but you got to work hard. You got to get. You got to execute, and you need a little luck sometimes. You need a call. You need a drop pass, and it goes both ways. You know, so. Great game, man, for the pack. Short week, though, it's almost like I'm already ready to kind of like let's go to Detroit here. I can't wait right. to be talk talk, you know, and let's let's keep it moving because we got a big game here on uh, on Thursday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one quick look at the special teams grade. Just want to say a little appreciation here for Eric Wilson, 72.4. Benny Sapp the third only has seven snaps, but a 68.9. Malik Heath earning his check at a 68.6. Slide all the way down. You you guys are going. I thought you said Dallin Levitt had a low score. He's not even on the list. Like he got cut, right? Yeah. Bang. You got to move the ticker to see it. Dallin Levitt, 29.4. Bye bye, Toby. Yeah. Bye bye, Toby. Yeah, he's gone. Um, <laughs> wish him the best, but man, that was just a, a failed experiment and been a failed experiment for several years now, it seems like. So at least two years, maybe three. I don't know. It all blurs together at my age. But uh, all right. With that being said, Let's wrap this thing up, Tim. Parting thoughts, buddy. Big game Thursday. That's all I got to say. This is, you know, I'm I I am one of those guys. I'm holding on to that that 3.8 percent sliver of hope that we can uh, squeak into the playoffs, and uh, it doesn't happen without a victory Thursday. Must win football for the Packers. Is is it at 3.8 percent? Is that correct? Did you see that? No, that's just like my. You know, Stony number, I got you. Okay, I was like, oh, I wanted sorry. to think of something below five and above one. You know, 
<laughs> and some people are saying, why are you even mentioning it, man? What, 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 how can you possibly at this moment be thinking? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Another game. All right, so here you go. Seven teams get in the NFC. As you can see, the Packers are the eighth seed right now. They're technically only one game back, if I understood correctly. So yeah. they have the tiebreaker over the Rams, the Falcons, all of these four and six teams. So all we need is for the Vikings or the Seahawks to crap the bed, right? That's all we need. If they crap the bed, the Packers could squeak in. Hey, if we somehow, some way were to make the playoffs, Tim, I'm telling you right now, buddy, the daddy sodas will be plentiful <laughs> in the state of Tennessee um, because I just – I. I don't know, man. What a pleasant – just the fact that we're in contention. I know the NFC is kind of down there on the bottom half, but I'll take it, man. In a year, as much suffering as we've had this year, guys, with the injuries and everything else, come on, dude. It's got to happen know. Thursday, though, for this to matter, right? Because it could come down. We got Minnesota and Chicago to close out the season, and those those two games could, in fact, be playoff-type games. Um, I don't think this Detroit game is like – not that you're saying this, Tim. I don't think it's a must-win. But if they could somehow still 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 a win against one of the best teams in the NFC on Thursday, who that really sets you up to make the playoffs. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be big, man. Kansas City right now knotted up with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles seven to seven in the second quarter. Andy Reid out there thinking about those nuggies. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you've seen that commercial. Um, oh man. But, uh, yeah. So it's gonna be fun to see how it unfolds, though, man. I think you're right. Must win in the sense that it's huge for momentum for us. You know, I don't know about statistically or anything. Detroit's clearly the division winner. I mean, we don't we don't have to, right? I mean, we're all predicting that at this point, right? And uh, like you said, we need Seattle and Minnesota to choke. And, you know, both of those teams have been known to do that. So I, it's not totally unrealistic, people, that we could at the very least be playing some relevant football here going into the new year, which is uh, – exciting especially for a young team you know can't wait to see when the when these guys are really playing for something man it's going to be great yeah carly ray in the chat said we have as much chance of making the playoffs as i have of winning money in my fantasy league <laughs> carly ray what do you place now i gotta know in the chat before we sign off here because last i heard what you third or fourth we gotta hear what jacob what the jacob status yeah, I, was, I was gonna spill the beans on that if she can confirm if i the last i heard she was either third or fourth right in the standings and just so everyone knows she's third there it is third she is higher than both jacob and justin from packernet podcast see and now hey carly oh. we're, we're third in our division right now and it ain't over till it's over right there you go same there thing go. i love it i love it i'm not a big fantasy guy but i do love hearing the side stories from the guys and obviously carly and everyone yep. else um pretty cool let's see what uh doug says here clayton Think of how you sell the team if you make the playoffs with this team. It's almost college. Even if you put up a fight on national TV, free agents going, hmm, not sure what you mean there, Doug. I'm I'm, uh, I'm about oblivious as, as anyone. Tim, what do you think he's saying there in that comment? Sell the team if we make the playoffs? What's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not following. Yeah. Uh, unless he's unless he's talking about in the sense of like free agents wanting to come here, I feel like play. Doug when he chats, like he's topping it correctly. I'm just too stupid to understand it. I like, think that's you know the vibe I mean? I'm getting. Right, it's almost <laughs> like college. Right, you're trying to recruit. You know, they would yeah. walk. You know, who wants to? You know, where do you want to play? Well, there's a reason people want to play at Notre Dame as opposed to you know 
Mississippi Valley State or whatever. So um, I, I think that's what he's saying. And we've heard that maybe players, you know, don't want to come here for some reason or whatever. I mean, that could be it. I think he's saying the more we win and if we can be competitive, that's wow. going to entice some of these free agents um, to possibly want to sign here, especially, you know, for the, the, the argument that maybe we need a little bit of veteran uh, players peppered in to this young, uh, young team. I think that's what he was saying. So uh, I'm totally on board with that. You know, you recruit by winning, right? Bring the, put the title back in title town, man. Let's go bring Lombardi home already. <laughs> well, yeah, Doug said, Tim gets me, LOL. That's <laughs> why we got Tim around, man. He, uh, he adds a little bit of intelligence to this show or otherwise you'd be stuck with a dumb redneck. Ain't got a clue what's going on. percent of the time. No doubt about that. Um, Ron in the chat says, wait, Mahomes just underthrew a pass in the end zone. What? He said, isn't love the only one? <laughs> just petty enough for my liking there. Welcome to the chat, Ron. Appreciate you swinging through, my man. Um, all right. Yeah, exactly, Carly Ray. said, always can count on Tim to translate. That's what he's here for, man. That's why he gets paid the big bucks, right, Tim? The big bucks. That's right. <laughs> all right. We're going to get out of here. Again, quick reminder, guys, make sure you go vote for Jordan Love, nominated for FedEx Air Player of the Week. Make sure he wins that award. we got a good enough fan base we can make that happen. Also, I hate to ask, but I'm going to do it. If you guys don't mind, hit like on this video for us. Um, that will help uh, boost us in the algorithm. Also, if you're not subscribed, feel free to sub. Don't worry about notifications, although if you want to turn them on, great. Um, like I said, don't like it if you don't if you didn't like the show, okay? All I ask is if you didn't like the show, just pretend like we never even met, all right? You just go on your merry way. Don't tell a friend about it, right? <laughs> pretend like it didn't even happen, all right? So we're going to get out of here. Tim, I'm going to ask you offline. We'll come up with a game plan. We might do Chalk Talk on Good Morning Lambo, bro. We might do that. So. Okay. We'll toss that around. That might be a way just to get in two shows tomorrow so we don't hit y'all with three. I know y'all are getting tired of seeing me on camera. But with that being said, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. Give a special thanks to Brent X for the super chat, buddy. Appreciate you supporting the stream. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up. It's a power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.